Greetings and salutations. Welcome to Detoxicity. My name is Mike Joseph. I hope you are staying safe and healthy. If you're enjoying this podcast, I hope that you are following it on whichever platform you use to listen. Also, feel free to leave a comment and spread the word to anyone you think would get something out of this or might be a good guest. My guest this particular episode is Matt Block. He is a co-owner of the entertainment and management company La Reserve and also works for the music collaboration platform Splice. In this episode, we talk about being a workaholic and struggling to find a proper work-life balance, something I can relate to quite a bit. We also discuss having a strong bond with your family, growing up immersed in music, standing out in school as a jazz nerd, dealing with anti-Semitism, being the son of a psychologist, and much more. Have a listen. My name is Matt Block, and I am originally from the Philadelphia area and grew up um, around a lot of family in Philly. And I now live in New York, and I work in the music industry, and I, I own an independent record label. And I work for Splice as well, which is a um, streaming service and a subscription service for samples. And I head up the in-house labels there. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. So is it fair to say that music has been a really big part of your life? Yes, music is a very, very big part of my life. It's the biggest part of my life. And when did that start? Like, how did you, were you always like musically? Because you're a musician also. Yeah, I mean, it, it always, it's always been a part of my life. I think from a pretty young age, I, my, my dad was a DJ in, in his high school and college and like, you know, early adult years. And so has incredible music taste. And so I was always listening to a lot of music growing up uh, with him, a lot of grunge and a lot of just a lot of rock music when I was first like a young, like a young boy. And then my grandfather is a jazz musician um, and plays trumpet. And so I started playing trumpet. I was always, I was kind of exploring it when I was like three and four years old, but I properly started playing when I was nine and he was my first teacher. So yeah, music's been a pretty big part of my life from the very beginning. So the first time you picked up a trumpet, you were like three or four. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there, there's a picture of me somewhere with like a, with like playing a trumpet. I was able to produce sound when I was like three out of the horn. So yeah, I was very, I was always very fascinated by it. And you know, when I, when you're entering like fourth grade in the public school system in Pennsylvania, like probably most states in this country, you have to, you know, take a test, like an ear test, and that you put your three your three choices for instrument and they tell you like what you're best suited for. And I put drums and then I put trumpet and then I put clarinet. And I cause I, I every every kid wanted to play drums and so I was like, all right, but didn't get that. And then they were like, Yeah, you're best suited for the clarinet. Ooh. And and I went home. And, you know, actually this maybe ties into a lot of like, you know, this, what this podcast might be about, um, or this conversation might be about, but like I went home and my mom was like, yeah, well, you know, if you don't like the result, like you need to go back in there and advocate for yourself. Cause we're not doing that for you. And if you don't, if you don't, if you're not happy with, with that, then go talk to him and the band director and um, tell him what you want. And so I went in and I was like, so nervous. Like I was not a very assertive kid. I was like really shy and like, didn't want to ever offend anybody or like, you know, have anybody mad at me, like, you know, and I told the band director, I was like, Hey, I I don't want to play clarinet. I want to play trumpet like my grandfather. And he told me, he's like, yeah, I don't think it's a really great choice for you. It's not really going to be, you know, the best match. And I was like, no, I want to do it. And he's like, all right, fine. Well, we'll see what happens. And, uh, and the rest is history. History. Right on. (laughs) Yeah. 
It's yeah. really funny. I So I went to elementary school in two different states. I started out going to school in New York and then moved to Michigan. Mm. And in New York public schools, the instrument option did not exist. At mm. least not in my schools. I think maybe you had to be like a certain echelon, certain financial level. To, Interesting. Uh, but when I went to Michigan, which was, you know, I started in fourth grade. I want to say... Like in my fifth grade year, they made you, you know, they had band class and they had you choose an instrument. Huh. So, yeah, it's a very interesting sort of city Is really upbringing versus thing. suburban upbringing. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. And so, yeah, so music is, was you picking up the trumpet totally like grandpa plays trumpet, so I want to do it too? Yeah, it was like really, I, I don't think I really ever considered myself to be a musician, but it was just like, you know, I think my, my parents really wanted me to do something like try out playing an instrument. And, I, you know, so I picked drums because all the all the young boys growing up wanted to play drums. Everyone was like, oh, you got to play drums. That's the cool thing to do. And and when that wasn't an option, then it was like, well, my grandfather plays trumpet and I've like had some success like making sound out of it. So, you know, like, why not just like, like, why not true? Like, why not do it? And then, you know, when I started playing, I got pretty good at it pretty quickly. And then I would go home and I would play, I would practice with him. Like, I think right around that same time, my grandparents moved down, like, like down the street from my parents to like this, to like where I actually am like right now. I mean, (laughs) this is, I'm in my mom's parents' house right now, but my, my dad's parents lived down the street from here and uh, they moved down here. And so, you know, every day after school for a while, or like every, like every other day, like, like my grandfather was my first like teacher and I would come home and he would, he would be, we would sit down and he would be like, yeah, don't, you don't need to read the music. He was like, just feel it. He's 80 now and he sounds great. And, but like, that was, I guess, back in his like sixties, like late fifties. And he um, hadn't played for a while and he got, got back into it because I was playing it. And so he kind of lost and never was fully trained in like reading music and had, has an incredible ear. And so kind of led that way of my education of teaching me how to play by by ear and to listen and to like really play with emotion and feel. And so I was getting just like the baseline classical education that was offered at the in fourth and fifth grade and sixth grade. And then I was like, man, I want to play jazz. And I started falling in love with all of the jazz musicians and would go and take out like the same book from the library and just like memorize every single jazz musician and their story. And I started listening to their music. And then my grandfather gave me a couple of records from my 12th birthday it just made a huge impact on me in like with it was the Stan Getz and Jean Gilberto record and then the Henry Mancini Peter Gunn record and that's really when I I was like whoa I think music's like a thing for me and I started to identify as a musician and I identify as a trumpet player and it was this thing it was like an ego thing it was um, like this skill set I was like, man, this is this is the thing that I'm going to do and I'm going to be and like, you know, this is how I'm going to get girls. This is my thing. Um, and I love this thing. And so it, I'm in middle school. I just was like this little like jazz nerd who thought <laughs> he was like out of like 1940s. And like, you know, I, like a lot of friends of mine were not friends anymore after that. It was it was very it's kind of funny like looking back on it. That's like when I started to really become the person that I am today in a lot of ways, because the trumpet was such like synonymous with who I thought I was. So I wonder something as a 12 year old in whatever, early 2000s it must have been, right? Yeah. How is a dude, a 12-year-old, walking around with the trumpet received by his peers? I, I think I was very cognizant of the fact that it was pretty dorky. Like, I don't know if people thought I was like a dork or like a band geek, but I kind of like 
my perception of myself of others is like, oh, like this is maybe a little weird. Like people probably don't think this is like the, the coolest thing, but I don't care because I think this is fucking cool. And so, yeah, I, I, I think it was fine. You know, I think it was like, like middle school is a probably a pretty weird time for most people. Cause that's, you know, you're 12, 13, it's a big transition period in yeah. our, our, our development as human beings. And so, yeah, I was always like super self-aware and it was always kind of weird when I was on the bus with my trumpet case. And, you know, I haven't really thought about it. And I, I don't really remember like how, but I definitely remember myself feeling like, oh, yeah, this is a little different. I always felt a little bit different about two things and like felt like I was kind of like on the outside music and being Jewish. And because like, I was I would go to Hebrew school and I always I felt like I always had the like, commitments around music and around like Hebrew school or like my Judaic studies that kind of made me very different from other people. And sometimes I felt good about that. And sometimes I felt really bad about that. And I was like, oh, man, like if I wasn't Jewish, I could be at this party right now, or I could be at this, this football practice right now, or I could be here. Or if I, if I wasn't playing trumpet, I wouldn't have all these issues about trying to do too many things at the same time. Like I always felt a little bit different, but I started to grow out of it as I kind of became more like confident in just kind of the direction I wanted to go in. So I'm assuming that you did not grow up in a largely Jewish area. No, no. I, I mean, grew what up. What was the percentage I don't, I think maybe like there were like 10 Jewish families in this area. Maybe when I was growing up, the area I grew up in is a pretty like affluent, like middle-class area, you know, and it's, but it's a lot of like conservative people, you know, who come from money. And yeah, I would say I was definitely not in the majority of the people growing up in this, in this area. And most of the time, I don't think it was that big a deal, but there were times where I did feel it. And, you know, there were moments where I would... I would notice when someone found out I was Jewish, they were just like weird and just be like, Oh, what, what the fuck is that? Or like be making a bunch of Jew jokes or calling me a stupid Jew. Like I would say it wasn't like a dominant, a dominant part of growing up, but it was there. And my family was very, very aware of it. If it happened, they'd be sniffing it out. I remember there was this one time where they tried to take Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur off of the calendar. Like we used to get off for that and they took it off and like, my my parents they were so furious and they caused like a huge scene and they went in they met with the superintendent and there were a couple other jewish families that were like this is like really not okay and my dad was like i blew up in this office and they looked at me and and i was like yeah this doesn't make any sense like why would you cancel this and you and not cancel the other stuff and they're like well well that's for people with clout oh. and then and my and my dad was like are you serious and so the next year all the jewish holidays are back on the calendar and we got off but yeah, th there was always that kind of undercurrent growing up of like, you know, if someone is uh, speaking badly of you or treating you differently, then you need to stand up for yourself. And that's like kind of like what what being like a block means. And all four of my grandparents were like, a, like I basically had like four other parents um, who were like way more chill. <laughs> but like they also they grew up in a time where it was much different to be Jewish, you were really treated as an other. And actually there's a country club down the road here that I don't, that I still don't think allows Jews in my hometown. Really? So they grew up in like that, like they grew up in that town, in that kind of time where it was like really prevalent. So I was around that and they were like, yeah, like, you know, if someone gets in your face about it, you gotta, you gotta stand up for yourself and tell them to fuck off. <laughs> and so, yeah, that was, that was always my attitude around, around it. And yeah, there was, so there was that and, and playing trumpet. And I think made me feel like pretty different growing up, but also I've turned out to be like the really special things. Cause for me, like, like Judaism is all about like my family and the, and I'm very close with my family. And 
there's an amazing culture that like my family's built just around being together for holidays and um, celebrating all the all the different Jewish holidays together and passing down traditions from the family that immigrated here in the early 20th century. And that's a really special part of my life. And obviously, so is music. And so to me, family and music are the two like, most important things. And they're the two things that made me like always feel a little bit different. Well, it's cool that you're able to take things that other people would really internalize and that would maybe kind of affect them in negative ways and really develop like a tough skin and be able to sort of turn those into positive things. Assuming that your, your closeness with your family had a lot to do with that. It really did because I had just such a strong family and support network. And yeah, really, the older I get, the less and less I take that for granted. You know, like when you're when you're growing up and you're a kid, you don't really realize all that shit. And then each year that passes and as you're getting older and you're meeting tons of different people from all walks of life, you're like, damn, like, I'm really lucky, like, uh, to have like this kind of network and this this kind of culture and tradition like around just like being together. Because like, not everybody, like, not a lot of people have that. And so that's, yeah. It's it's pretty it's a pretty special thing and it's something that I really like value and hold hold very near and dear because yeah I just you know well, gr- growing up I thought every like oh this is like how everything is and like oh man I gotta go do this thing again like I'm gonna miss this party or I'm gonna miss like hanging out with my friends like fuck this and uh, but then I would go and like those are some like all those times where I was always felt like I was like doing something that like, kept me from doing like the cooler thing. Those are some of like the best memories that I, I have, you know, and um, like, you know, things that I think are really just have made me who I am. So, yeah, it, it's kind of cool how that works out. One thing that's interesting to me still, even as a middle aged person, is when friends of mine introduce me to their parents, because yeah. I don't know if I have actually ever had like a close friend that knew my relatives so it's still kind of a foreign concept to me. And yeah. I have met both of your parents. Yep. Yeah, you have. And not like we've known each other incredibly long. It's no. you know, two years or whatever. But, you know, I it's very interesting. It's just like a, a novel concept to me in a way. Just like having friends and you know your friends' parents too. It's kind of weird. Yeah. 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 And my, and my parents, especially my dad, like, know you, like, they know you well and like, like ask about you and talk about you and they're like, Oh yeah, that guy, Mike, awesome. Awesome. That's dude. Awesome. Like, you know, you know, but that's, but yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And that's, but that's kind of how my parents are. And I want to be in the loop. And so that's sometimes that's, I mean, it's, that's always a great thing. But yeah, sometimes growing up, it was like, Oh my God, like my parents are, like, <laughs> they're just, they're just lingering right now. And like, and none of my, none of my friends care. My friends are like, Oh yeah, like Mr. Block, like, can you make some more coffee and shit? But like, I was like, Oh God, like, they're just like, they're just like here. They're just hanging out and they're not going anywhere. They're they're They are, they are hanging. So right. yeah, but it, it's cool. I think it's really cool. My dad's a psychiatrist. And so, yeah, he has a, a, a practice in this, in Pennsylvania that he's grown and has been in practice for a long time, like trying to like do the math in my head. And I don't want to give you the wrong number, but like 30 <laughs> years, probably at this point. Yeah. Like 25, 30 years. And yeah, he's, he's a very, he's an incredibly amazing doctor who really uh, goes to bat for every single one of his patients. And, you know, is he's that, he's that dude who like, 
if the insurance isn't covering like medication, like he'll like hunt down like the CEO of the, the insurance company and like get them to like, he's like, he's that dude um, who just like goes like the way, way, way extra mile to make sure that his patients get the medicines that they need. Next. And, you know, and just fights with the insurance companies who tell people otherwise. And yeah, so I've just, I, you know, I, I think growing up, like my dad, like never ever like brought his work home whenever he, he, you know, he'd be home, you know, six o'clock Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And then his, his late night was Wednesday and was home on the weekends. And yeah, never, never brought it home. And like the older I've gotten, the more I'm like, holy shit. Like, how did you, like, you're dealing with a lot of heavy shit all day. And then, and to come home and just like be cool and just be like eating dinner and just hanging one of like watching like the Eagles game, like like a, a Eagles preseason game in August, or just, you know, hanging out on the weekends, coaching sports games and stuff. And like, and just like, it's, you know, and then to go into work and do that every day and like, you know, like l- listen to people um, who are dealing with really, really, really heavy, heavy things and wor- help them work through it and help, you know, uh, analyze the best types of medicines that could help to help feel that is like, that's, it's a lot. That and that's a lot. a lot to do. And so, yeah, it's, you know, I've been, re- I've reflected on that too, you know, over the last few years, like, wow, like, cause like, I, I, I can't, like, I, I mean, my, my parents had me when my dad was, uh, was like 26, 27 when he had me. And so, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 30 in September and yeah, I, I can't imagine like, you know, working a job like that and building a business like that and then coming home and just like being like a really like present human being and role model. It's like, it's pretty impressive. So that is super impressive. I, yeah. I, I talk to my therapist sometimes and I'm just one patient who I think is not super high on the list of potential. What am I trying to say? Like I have baggage, but I think it's sort of a moderate to high level of baggage sure. as opposed to a super high level of baggage. And sometimes I'm like, wow, I, I feel bad that this person now has to go home and unpack all of this stuff. Yeah. So yeah. I, I have a lot of respect for people who have to who take this job, deal with multiple people and listen to people talk about the mostly crap in their lives once a week or twice a week or whatever, and then can leave that and become fully functioning, well-adjusted adults Yeah, outside of that. Yeah, I think you have to be like the right kind of personality to do it. And, you know, I, I know that my dad is. I mean, it's. It's tiring work, but he knew he wanted to like do that one from like a very young age. Wow. So, uh, yeah. Was there any ever anything awkward or, or odd or weird about having a psychiatrist as a dad, even in retrospect? No, no. And and people ask me all the time um, when they when I'm like, oh yeah, my dad's my dad's psychiatrist. Like, oh whoa, like really? And and I was like, yeah, but it's not it's not really like what you would think. Honestly, it's kind of awesome because like. My dad is an expert on the mind and from a very young age, he would teach Jake and I and then, and then Hannah, you know, just how to read people's body language and how to read people's tone, how to like, how to really perceive what people are saying and that aren't the words that are coming out of their mouths. So yeah, if anything, it just kind of helped make me just a smarter, more astute like listener and has helped me a lot of like, kind of like really reading people's body language and being able to just kind of like pick up on all, all the things that are happening when someone's talking and then to also be aware of that in myself too, when I'm talking to somebody. So yeah, like that, that was honestly like the only, that's the only piece of his job that really ever 
was ever a part of like growing up or even now, like I'll, I'll call him now too. Like, yo, like, what do you think about this? Like, you know, this person was like talking like this and doing whatever because he helps me kind of just like sometimes like think things through in a, in a way that I would never think things through. So yeah, it's, it's cool. And that's, but that's the only piece of it that I think is like, honestly, even more of a positive. So yeah, that's a good piece. Yeah. So, all right. So you're in, in junior high school, you're playing the trumpet. When did you transition sort of into a more business mind as opposed to a musician's mind? Not till I was like 23 or 24. And I, I, I really thought I was going to be like a star and like wanted to be like the dude who plays trumpet. And like, like I, I have all these old like tapes that my, my parents digitized from growing up. And like once in a while, I'll, like I'll look back and watch them and just like kind of go through like, you know, there's like moments with like family members who have, have passed like a Passover seders and just like there's so there's actually so much footage. It's, it's ridiculous how much my parents videoed growing up. It's really cool. But there's also a lot of like there's a lot of shows from, you know, when I was 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. And man, I was just such a little douche. <laughs> when I look back at it, I was like, oh my, like, I'm on stage and I'm just like getting into it and just like, you know, lifting my leg up and stuff and I'm playing and just like all this like stupid showboating. And it's kind of, yeah, it's a little embarrassing to watch because I know what was inside my head when I was like, I, I can put myself back in that mindset. I love being on stage and love like once I kind of got over the fear of being on stage, like I loved being in front of people and playing. And so when I was, and I was reading about all these jazz musicians and just idolizing the that that life and that struggle and you know just the communication of all life life experiences through like your instrument and through the music you write and yeah when I was like 16 I was like I'm gonna move to New York and I'm gonna be a jazz musician and I'm gonna I'm gonna do that thing and that was kind of like the track that I had in my head of like that's that's kind of the direction I'm, I'm a musician I'm an artist and then I went to college and I started even more like getting into deeper with that more. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'm a trumpet player and a jazz musician and I'm, I'm a producer and composer. Cause that's when I started writing a lot of music and producing. And I would, I, I, like I, I was pursuing opportunities in like that space to, to make music and to, you know, trumpet was kind of part of it, but it wasn't like the only thing. And I wanted to like make music and make art. And so like in college, it changed to like, okay, I'm not going to be a jazz musician. I'm going to be a composer and be uh, like a producer and make music for film and TV and ads. And, you know, I, when I moved to New York, like for real and started doing that, I, I, besides just like it being pretty rough from a financial standpoint to do that, I didn't like it. I actually really didn't like it. And I, I kind of started to sit through all the bullshit in my mind and the things that I thought were like the cool thing for me to do versus like, what, what am I actually good at? And what are the things that are really going to help, help me like, live the life that in my gut, I think I want to live. And yeah, I mean, I was, I was interning at a studio and l learning a lot and um, they were going to bring me on. And I don't know, it just the amount of like the, the, the financial arrangement, like wasn't really going to be enough to like, like even like split, like, you know, live like in a four person, like apartment or something like that, or like, or split, you know, it was like not, it's not that much. And I was like, all right, huh, well I could maybe do this and like get a job at a restaurant and start doing that and just kind of piece things together and then I was like, you know what? No, I don't think I want to do that. Like, I don't know if I even like this. Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm not really good at some of this stuff either. Like, this is really hard for me and it's not coming super easy and I can keep working at it. And like, I am getting better, but like, I don't like, I don't feel the same passion that I once felt for this. And that was really hard to like, to actually accept that at the time. Cause I was like, I felt like I was like failing and like giving up something that I was like, that I told myself I was going to do. And then, but I just, I said no to that. And then I 
uh, started looking for more opportunities like in like I just I actually I just started looking and reading and learning about the music industry in general. I had no I had no idea. Like I had a one track mind of like I'm going to make music and that's how I'm going to make a living and I'm going to like write for ads and that's that's the thing and I didn't really think of anything else as far as like a way to like make a living in music. And then that like going through that and being like, Oh, huh. Like, well, I can make some music, but I, I can't, I can't produce a pop track in a, in a day or even like in a couple hours or like, do, like, and I don't even know if I want to, like, maybe I could learn how to do this and I, and, but I don't think I want to do this. And so, yeah, that's when I started reading about like music licensing and music supervision. I had no idea what those terms were. I was like, I didn't even know what music publishing was or copy. I was like, what, what the fuck is this? Like <laughs> so I started, I started reading and I just started like kind of like reaching out to people that I knew and people that I didn't know and just kind of like building out a network and I'm um, just trying to get a job as fast as possible. Cause I just, I felt like I was like, damn, like I'm burning through like, like the money I have and blah, blah, blah. And like, I, I can't keep doing this. And so, yeah. And then I, I met, I met the the company Flavor Lab at like the right time, right place, and kind of convinced them to hire me. And I told them I was interested in music licensing and you know uh, publishing, without really fully knowing what that meant. But we had a great conversation, and at the end, you know, my my boss at that time told me he was like, "Hey, like, you know, like we can bring you on as an intern." And I was like, "Yeah, fuck you, man. If I, <laughs> I'm not going to work for you." <laughs> and and then he was like, "He's like, all right." we can figure something out. I'll, I'll, I'll be back. And then that rest is history. And so I started working there and, you know, I, I, they taught me so much and really allowed me to, you know, they just had a lot of faith in like the person I was, which was like, uh, you know, looking back, it's like, damn, like how the, how did that happen? Like, what the fuck? Like these guys took a risk on me. Um, like a huge risk. And like, I didn't, and, and like knew I didn't know that much, but then they're like, yeah, if you can get this catalog off the ground in like three months, like we can, you know, figure out a longer term solution with you. And I was like, cool. And so, yeah. And they just kind of let me do things and were the, you know, we're there to like teach me and teach me all the ins and outs, the do's and the don'ts. And as I started to hang out with them more and I was working at, at this, at this studio and building up a production music catalog, I was like, whoa, this stuff's really cool. Like, holy shit, this is amazing. This is, and it was like a game. I was like, this is, this is a whole game. And I didn't even know this existed. And um, so, yeah, I built, I helped kind of get the catalog, like set up and built it and was ready to, and ready to go. And, you know, it just kept building a rapport with them and, you know, doing, hitting the benchmarks I wanted me to, to hit. And so that's kind of was when I started becoming more of a business minded individual. And like over the next two years, just like, I learned a lot and the, you know, their, the style of like leadership there was very hands-off and was just kind of like, cool, like you do your thing. We're here to help and guide you. Uh, but like, you know, they're going to let you grow. And so I su- succeeded and failed and, you know, made, made a lot of mistakes and made a lot of, had made a lot of like really successful decisions and grew it from both like the um, user side of people who are, you know, getting music for sync and, but also signed hundreds of composers on built relationships to make music for that catalog. And so, yeah, doing that like really was what taught me um, just like how music publishing and copyright and like, you know, all like master rights, literally everything, neighboring rights, how to, how to, how to like, how to work a sales job. It was that, that's what it was. It was a sales job. And like, I, and again, like I am before that I was like such, I was so weird. I was like, Oh, it's not, it's not hip to hit people up and you can't be like reaching out. Like people are going to, I'm bugging this person. And that job taught me, it was like, they taught me ways to kind of like like grow that that skill set of like selling, and I loved it. And I love I love the business metrics around it and the business operations around. It. And I love the idea of building something. And with all that knowledge, that's that's kind of 
that was the impetus to start the record label with La Reserve because a lot of my friends were starting to have some some levels of success as artists in in the jazz space and the R&B space and uh, you know like running a record label in 2020 and like at that at that time like 2016 2017 starting something it's been a whole other crash course i i was super i was you know i i started like working on marketing records and stuff in like 2015 with uh, my friend Alex Claffey. And I was like, oh, I know publishing. I can do anything. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> and, man, yeah, that was the wrong attitude. It's a different ballgame. Whole different ballgame. And, you know, I'm, it's like you're never going to perfect that ballgame because it's always changing. And, you know, I, I think I'm really proud of where we've come to now. And it's, it's crazy how much shit you learn, even in, like, a couple months of releasing music and building relationships. I mean, like, like you know, you've been doing this a long, much more, like, longer time than I have. But yeah, and I think just like the business side for me has like really just it clicked and it clicked instantly. And it was just I was like really fascinated by it. And it was never and it still is. It's never been about the money for me. It's more it's just been like this is really interesting. Like I love like some of my, my, my favorite like projects to work on are when I have to clear something really hard where it's just like, you know, if, for an artist of ours who's putting out a, like a, you know, if they they fucking uh, do a parody and like change lyrics and make a derivative work or something and we have to clear it. Uh, it's like, oh man, like, why'd you do that? But dope, like cool, super cool artistic choice. And I kind of like get excited. Like I'm going to clear this now. I got to go figure What's this it, out. It feels and, like, does it feel like a challenge for you? Like it's yeah. sort of like climbing ever, like a little mini version of climbing Everest. Yeah. I love, I love being challenged and I love taking on new challenges. And I think like what business was for me where, where I maybe wasn't getting the same, like making music and writing music is an incredibly challenging endeavor. And, you know, the other sidetrack to me working in business was like, I, I still kept making music and I still do. And I was actually able to kind of have like a little bit more of a support network for myself. I built like, you know, a sal I could rely on money coming in every, every month. And it was like, cool. And I could take risks on people's projects and start and keep writing. And I was able to write music and make music and not feel like this pressure. And for me, for others, they love feeling that pressure and it kind of makes them create the best music for me. I know that doesn't work for me. And so, yeah. And I, I think like there is a huge challenge in making music and like working with a client and kind of like translating their creative vision into sound. But on the flip side, on the business side, yeah, every, every new thing there's like you know most like most days especially in the music industry like there's no there's no roadmap for most of the stuff that you and i are doing every day and so the, i love the challenge of like taking on new new things whether it be it with with law reserve or whether it be at splice there's just always new things to figure out and new conversations to have and like just new new revenue streams that are popping up or new like channels marketing channels are popping up and like yeah there's always a new challenge there's always something new to like kind of learn and you know attempt to master and uh, kind of like get into your everyday repertoire and like that i i love like the the growth that happens you know like when you look back six months or three months you're like holy shit like it didn't feel like anything's happened but it's like wow like there's a lot of growth that just happened like i learned all these little things in the, this last you know couple months and now i'm a more mature person or i'm, I'm a more like well-versed person in this or like i'm at this party and like this this that that thing i just like spent like a couple days toiling over that that comes up in a conversation and that 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 conversation because i just did that little thing leads to something else and there's a new challenge and so like i love that little it's just this constant like um this constant mountain and i think you know for me i'm not looking for the next thing it's, I, I like the actual process of doing things and because i i recognize just through 
the failures that I've had, like that the process is really, it's such, such a cheesy thing, but the process is like the journey <laughs> and that is like the learning. And it's just like, I, I crave, I crave that. I'm like, cool, like throw me in this shit. And I might, this might fail, but like, I'm going to learn a lot doing this. And like, that's kind of to boil it down. Like what, what music is for me is, is that. And I just like to figure things out and be challenged with new, with new, with new shit every day because it keeps it really interesting. And it, I feel like it makes me just keep growing as a professional and as like a music industry professional. But, you know, that was, it took me a while to be able to kind of look at, look at life that way and to be like, um, okay with things not always going, going well, because like, you know, I, I like my personality, I'm a perfectionist and I've had, a, I'm still trying to unlearn that. Uh, and I, I hate making mistakes and I still hate making mistakes, but uh, you know, I've tried, I've been trying and trying to unlearn it and whether, you know, cause it's, it's like an ego thing, like whether it be like an ego thing or whether it just be like, I don't want people getting mad at me. Like they're all the same, like recurring things that just kind of always come back. Sure. And, and it's, just, I've been actively trying to unlearn like those tendencies because every time I take a little risk or do something, or if something doesn't work out, it, it just creates such amount of, it's, it creates a lot of growth. And, uh, you know, that I think that's the most important thing in, in, to me out of, and I want to get out of life is like, is, is continuing to grow. So, yeah. I get that. It's funny. The one Matt Block observation that I definitively have is that you like get off on work. Yeah, you, I do get off. Yeah. <laughs> it's because Whenever I see you, it's always like you're running to something, you're running from something, you've got all this stuff, you're juggling all of these different things, and I'm just like, yo, this dude works hard, and it's 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 a combination of like working hard and working a lot, mm. and I, I I respect hard work, and I respect keeping oneself busy. But I, in my head, when I when I talk to you, sometimes I'm always like, "All right, there's something's got to balance this out at some point." And I, the one thing I worry about with you is I'm always like, "All right, is this guy just going to work himself to the bone and not like, you know, have whatever?" And a healthy balance is different for each individual. And I'm like, I guess in the back of my head, I'm always like, "Is this balance really healthy? Like, is is he okay with the way things are balanced out?" Yeah. And I mean, man, it's, I think you and everyone that, that knows me pretty well, like says that to me. And it's just, it's weird. Cause when people say to me, I'm like, I don't really feel that way. It's like, I don't, I don't think I'm working that hard. Like that's it, it. I don't know. Like I don't even feel like I'm working to my full capacity sometimes. And yeah, I think honestly, man, most of the stuff that I'm doing all the time, I just, I, I truly genuinely enjoy it. And so for me, like that balance is like not I don't know, like for me, like I find that balance within, in that space and it's, I, maybe it's hard to explain, but I think everyone has their own kind of like their own like way of balancing their life. And for me, it's like, I kind of look at things like, cool, what am I doing for myself? What am I, what am I doing for someone else? And, you know, so for myself, like a lot of the law reserve stuff, that just feels like I'm doing it for myself. Like, even though I'm, I'm working with tons of artists, like that that time and a lot of like that space feels like it's just solely it's truly for myself whereas like you know working a job is like also for myself because like i really want to be there and i I like but i'm also i am working for someone else and so yeah i think that's for me that's like the one balance but you know yeah maybe it is like kind of tipped a lot into the music space but yeah man i don't really have any other hobbies like i just i really just i love like just doing I, i yeah, I, I love like releasing music and I love working with artists and I love like working on 
sync clearances. I love working in the sample space. Like all that shit just, su- it, it, I do kind of get off on it, I guess. But I mean, like, I, it, yeah, I always have just tried to do, to do the things that I want to do in my life. And, you know, I feel very, very, very grateful to be able to do that. And I never want to like not be able to do that. And yeah, I don't know. That's, so that's kind of, that's, that's what it is. I mean, I, I've recently found myself in a pretty nice relationship, like an amazing relationship with somebody. And, you know, that has created a lot of balance in, in ways that I haven't felt in a long time. And so, yeah, it's, it's been like very new, like, like a new feeling and it's a, it's an amazing feeling. And it's just like, you know, like when there are people that come across like your life where you're like, cool, like you, like I've always, I always make the space for the people that I'm like, okay, yeah, this, this is a part, like I, to me, like the people, I, I'm very careful about the people that I want that I hang out with. I um, mean, the people that I kind of let into my world or let into my life be- and not for any reason, just except because I've been burned before and you know, I like, I'm, I'm probably more paranoid than some people, but yeah, I'm just careful about who I let in, into like into my world. Cause I think that the people that you let in are really people who influence you and the people who can really like kind of, I, I, I really want people in my life that provide a source of positivity and a source of just like honest, like genuine, like being, I don't even, I don't know what I'm saying right now, but no, I, I know I'm trying exactly to, I'm trying to explain. Saying. Yeah. And so, you know, when I find those types of people, whether it be a friend or whether it be a romantic partner or just kind of, or, or both, you know, that's, that's a really, that's a play time that makes me really stop and be like, cool, this is awesome. And like, this is something that I also want to grow and cultivate. And yeah, that's, that's how I, I look at it. And so, yeah, for me, balance is just really um, just making sure that I'm, I'm being honest with myself with like the things that I'm doing, like, and yeah, like I, I'm getting to a point when it, when it comes to work and stuff, like, you know, I, I, I am saying no more now. And like, if there's projects that don't make sense for like me or us to take on, I'm not doing, I'm not taking them on. Cause it's like, okay, like, you know, I could spend that time working on this, but am I really excited by this? This is something that's really, and like, I'm always, I'm always trying to have that dialogue in my mind of like, like I started this record label and knowing that it was going to be a lot of time outside of my day job for a long time. And so I really need to be like passionate about doing all this shit all the time. Because if I'm not, I'm a doing a disservice to myself and b doing a disservice to the artists that we're working with. Absolutely. And so, yeah. And so, you know, that is, that is a big, that's like a pillar of like, of, of the label is like, we work with shit that we fuck with and, and we also work with shit that we have time to do. And so, you know, if we don't have time to do it, we're really honest about that. We're like, yeah, no, we can't, we're not going to be success, successful with this. Like, we don't think we can have an impact at this. Not because like we couldn't work on it just because like, it just doesn't make sense for us right now. Or it's like, we don't like this music. This music doesn't make sense. You're like, I don't, or you talk to somebody and you're like, I don't really think that you, you're going to be a good partner to be working, to work with us. You know, like there's all these things that like, I really care about and fortunate to be in a position to kind of say no and, and make those decisions that are going to like, cause it really does affect your life with every, every person that you associate with in business or in, in your personal life. Like, it, really, yeah. it really affects your life, especially cause like, I really fucking care. Like if I, if, if I work on some or somebody or I'm with somebody, like I really care about that person. And so for me, it's like, if I'm going to commit to doing anything, like I really want to feel like I can be all in and feel good about it. So, and that's kind of how I approach like, like everything. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I think balance is a funny word and it's, it's a word that like gets thrown a lot, thrown around a lot with my parents or with my brother, with my girlfriend, you know, but honestly, she's she's awesome because she like really gets it and just like kind of thinks like she's very supportive 
and just is really interested in, in those types of things and the things that I'm doing. And, and I am, and same with her, like, you know, it's just, I think that's a, that's a cool thing when you find someone who really accepts you for who you are and is just like really gets it and is never like weird about the fact that there's things that are driving me outside of just like the, the, the job I go to, you know, during the day that drives me, I'm like also doing things at night that are really driving me too. So yeah, that's, you know, one observation that I've had about relationships for a long time, and I see it on a fairly regular basis is people get together and they assume that it's like a merger and all of the outside stuff that you do as individuals, like your individual lives disappear. Yeah. And you just kind of become this blank and blank all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, you know, instead of being two separate people, you've merged into one person and from, you know, henceforth, you're not Matt and whoever you're a couple. Yeah. And I feel like that, Hey, that feels really like weird and cult like to me. Yeah. Same with me. Same to me. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's really important in any kind of relationship to respect the relationship, but also respect the indiv- individuality of the person that you're in the relationship with. Yeah. hundred percent. And like, I, I think that there needs to be, like, there, there needs to be, a, yeah. For. Codependent, yeah, that, that should, yeah. I think, and I think that's a place where there really needs to be a balance. That I, I, I love the word balance when it comes to relationship because I think it's really important to be independent and be able to live your life and like you know. And but I also think that to me, relationships to me feel like it means that you need to be like aligned on like the way you want to live your life. I think that's what I've learned is like the most the most important thing um, is to be aligned on like your vision for what your life looks like. Doesn't mean doesn't need to be like you're doing the same exact shit twenty four seven, but you need to have like a general idea of like cool, like we're both going in like this like this direction, like we're both doing our own shit and we're we're doing our own things of our own interests, but like but like our our values, like the things that we think about in life, they're all like they're going in like the right like the same direction. Same direction, like, yeah. Try to you try to like I, so I I think it's really like allowing each other to be the best like person that they can be. And, 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 and part of that is like, you know, being in a situation where you're not codependent on somebody and not just, you know, cause I, I, am disgusted by that. Like that's, it's, it's like, <laughs> so it's, it's disgusting. Like I, I, maybe, I don't know. That's probably a terrible word to say about loving relationships, but I mean, but I, yeah, are I, they? I, I just never want to be like, I don't want to be, yeah. Are they exactly? Are they? And I th- to me, a relationship is a partnership um, with somebody. And to me, the way I was raised is there's, it's not like the man who does one thing and the woman does the end is reliant. It's like equal partners. You're doing equal things. You're splitting the duties. Like you're both like working and there's like, there's not, you're both, you know, it's not like, Oh, I make the money so I control all this shit. Sure. And like nothing like that. Like that stuff is like, yeah, anything like that is like just the wrong way to, in my opinion, to have to, to live one's life. And so for me, it's like equal partners who are working together who are there for each other and who really truly support that, who that person is and wants to be uh, independently. And like, that's, I think that's a hard thing to find a lot of times. And when someone be kind of be like, when someone gets in a relationship and then kind of like adapts to that person and doesn't like, that's, that's when you get into trouble, man. I, I think when you're like, when you're trying to like change the way at the core that you are, so you fit that person's vision of reality or that person's vision of what life should be. Or when someone's trying to change you. 
Exactly. Or someone's trying to change you. Yeah. And I, 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 you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't see it too much around the friends that I, that I have of like, who are in, like, I think a lot of people that I, I know are kind of in that same mindset of like, you know, like, we're not, I'm not trying to change somebody if I'm with them. You know, there's definitely things that like work for me and don't work for me. But yeah, I like trying to change someone is a pretty, it's the fruitless venture and will just result in a lot of resentment and, you know, failure. Well, I think the benefit you have a, is that you're a fairly young person. And I think people your age have a different view of relationships and even people my age and certainly people, your parents and grandparents ages had just because there are more options. Yeah. And I think the other part of it is, you know, you live in New York where the, what am I trying to say here? Like the narrative isn't expected to be the same narrative that you've been hearing for years and years and decades and centuries and so on. Like the net, it's a very atypical narrative, generally speaking, or atypical to sort of the quote unquote American standard of of, of what relationships are supposed to be or what, uh, uh, what a life arc is supposed to be. Yes. Yes, exactly. And that, and that's, and that's also where it comes back to balance too, of like, what is balance? And uh, yeah, and I feel like there's like an idea of what balance should be and that you, you know, that you get from like parents or grandparents or just, or just like society tells you like, oh, you need to have like this thing and this thing. You need to make sure you're not doing too much work or like, there's all these like, you know, I think there's a lot of ideas of what balance is or isn't. And I think, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that like right now, especially in this time, there's so many options for how one can live their life and, and live it in a way um, that is like fruitful and can be sustained and, and that maybe didn't exist 50 years ago. So absolutely. So you're about to turn 30. Yep. Do you have feelings about that? Not really. It's, you have it's all your like, hair. What? You have all your hair. Well, I mean, uh, it's, we're in, we're in pandemic times, man. So my hair has grown a lot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've definitely been seeing, seeing a receding hairline and, you know, I, I use like that minoxidil shit just because I've seen like thinning. So I use it. Bro, uh, like, look I'm at not your a, dad. Your dad, first of all, I got to say your dad looks like he could be your brother, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Cause you know, you've heard black don't crack before, but apparently in some cases white don't crack either. Um, well, yeah, yeah, blocks. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe blocks don't crack. Yeah. yeah, but you know, you can just shave it. I know, man. But like, I, you know, I, I, I like my hair, and I have it right now. But like, yeah, I, I'm just I'm trying to keep it because uh, for what I, I don't know, I, 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 it was kind of a thing. Like, like growing up when I was a little kid, my mom was always like, "Yeah, like you have such a thick head of hair. It's great. You're gonna take after your grandfather." Like my her her dad who still has all his hair. And so I always like thought like, cool, I'm going to have like thick hair and just have my hair all my life. And like, I, I just, I've always like loved like, you know, my, my hair for some reason. It's just, you know, it looks same color as my mom's and my sister's and my grandfather's. And so, yeah, it's just like this like thing. And um, then when I started seeing it like recede, actually my mom was the one who pointed out like, home, <laughs> of course I came home from college and she just, her classic, oh, you're really receding. <laughs> Thanks mom. Aren't, aren't, aren't you worried about that? And I'm like, what? No, I'm not, I'm not receding. And I, I was just like, oh, no, no way. And then eventually I accepted it. I was like, yeah, I am. I don't care. And I was like, yeah, I am. And I care. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, I guess I'm like, I'm at a place now where I don't care as much, but I'm trying, I'm trying to make some best efforts to 
keep it as long as I can. Uh, respect so. that. But yeah, turning 30, I don't know. It, it's, it's a little weird, but yeah, I, I, I think everything has comes with perspective and, you know, I could sit here and be like, dude, I haven't accomplished half the things I want to, I, I wanted to accomplish by the time I was 30. But then also I could sit here and say the exact opposite. And like, I think I'm in the, I'm in a mindset where like, I think when I was younger and I was like in my early twenties, I was like, cool, when I'm 30, there's, it's going to look like this. And then, but I've done a lot of learning in that time. And yeah, I think that maybe where some people might think, oh man, I'm 30, like, fuck, I got to change everything. It's just like me, like, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm just, it's just another age, another, another decade where I'm going to learn more. And, you know, I don't really think about it that much and it doesn't really feel like that special to me or that like, or that like, it's like kind of whatever. It's like, I'll be 30 and enter a new decade. Yeah. Getting, getting a little older and uh, as is everyone. So uh, it's kind of part of, part of how things go. And uh, yeah, so I don't really care that much and I'm not like bugging out about it. It's, it's just gonna, it, it feels, maybe it feels like a little different because it's like, wow, like I'm, I'm 30. Like that's a, you know, I'm a proper, proper adult. Um, <laughs> Man, maybe. don't let numbers scare yeah. you into thinking that adult, like adulthood is something that it's so subjective. Like there are mature 22 year olds out there the same way there are immature 62 year olds out there. Yep. So in, yep. in, in that respect turning 30 really doesn't mean shit yeah because you know there's 30 year olds who are still living at home with their mom and ain't got no job you know and they're 30 year old ceos so it's it's all like a roll of the dice it's true it really is true yeah well i will ask one more question yeah what is the greatest lesson that you have learned in your life so far and who taught it to you or what taught it to you Hmm. Oh, okay. Like, I, I don't know how to, I'm trying to put this into words. I, I it, it kind of goes with like perception of like, and it, it comes from my mom and she, she said, some, it's like all like, kind of like when you're dealing with something really shitty and like, you know, there have been times where I've dealt with really shitty things. And I, I think like, my mom said something to me at a pretty, at, at one of the rough times. She's like, in, in six months from now, this is going to feel like a little blip. And I, yeah, I think there's a lot of like wisdom in that, in that statement right there. And because I think people say life is short and it is, you cherish it, but life is also very long. And I think that like, as, as you get, as you get older, like things that used to make you feel like the world is ending in like a month's time will not feel that way. And it's kind of all about like, to me, like that, that line is kind of like really about facing your fears and like facing, like making decisions that maybe are really hard to make sometimes uh, and making, making decisions that you're might, you know, might, might be scared to make or being okay with being in like a really uncomfortable situation and like understanding that it'll pass. Uh, so I think I don't, I'm trying to like button that up. It's like a nice, like life lesson. Um, <laughs> we don't have to go all Oprah. It's not necessary. But that's, I guess that's like, yeah, that's like the life lesson that I think has been pretty impactful for me is like just really understanding that we're, things are constantly moving and changing. And, you know, when, when things aren't really going the right way, just uh, maintaining perspective in, in that situation and understanding that this will feel whatever you're dealing with at that time, once you get through it, which I hope you would get through it, that it will feel 
so let's say if you get through it, it'll feel like just a little, like a little thing in your life. Like it's, you know, things that feel like, like a huge mountain and like are terrible in the moment probably aren't at all. Like most, most, like most things, you know, like most of the time, you know, personally, I'm not dealing with life or death situations every day, fortunately. And so it's not really like, it's not really that. Most things that happen are should just be treated as growing experiences and should just be treated as ways to just get to learn and to not make the same mistakes or to like um, not make the same decisions again. And that it kind of will all feel maybe a lot smaller with time. I'll add another. Also, I psych you out. I'm going to add one more question about that. Yeah. What is something that you hope to learn or learn more as you get older? Or be better at, or, you know, what's just something you, you feel like you need to like level up on? Yeah. I mean, I think that still, I think the same thing, like, I mean, like I definitely deal with anxiety uh, a lot and like I've lived with it my whole life and haven't really accepted it until this past year when I started actually seeing a therapist and like listening to the people closest to me being like, yeah, you should like figure that out. Was that Matt making a decision or was that somebody like, bro, and then like pushing you? To no, work? that was, that was me. That was me making it a decision. That was like people like, especially like family being like, yeah, like you don't have to, like, you don't have to live like this or like, this isn't like, like the way that you process things sometimes, like that's not actually normal. Like, and you know, I, I think I can still level up on that a lot. And like some weeks I'm really good at just like letting things pass, just being like, like, I, I think one of my major problems is like, you know, I, I try to anticipate everything and try to like, you know, solve things before they happen. Like most people, you know, everyone's trying to solve things and like project and I'm trying to like project less and just keep like just trusting in myself and like being okay with making a mistake. I think that's something in all like in, in, in business, in relationships, like everything just kind of like being okay with the present and staying in the present. And I think I can keep getting better and better at that because when you are like when you when you when you do stay like yourself stay in the present both like emotionally and physically you, you know it's i think life is so much sweeter and is and you kind of like really can like live your life and not like really worry about the past or the future too much i want to thank matt block for taking the time to appear on the show you can find out more about Matt by going to LaReserveRecords.com. They are a fantastic label. Just put out some music by uh, Cannonball Adderley, and they have a great roster of artists, including uh, Benny Benack III, Brian Carter, Van Glom, uh, Alexander Claffey, and more. So make sure you check that out. Uh, you can also find some of his work at Splice.com. And uh, yeah, just a fantastic guy. And uh, looking forward to uh, hearing more from the Block family uh, and the La Reserve family on future episodes of Detoxicity. If you enjoyed this podcast or you enjoy any of the other Detoxicity podcasts, please make sure you give us a follow on whatever platform you're using to listen. And uh, also, you know, spread the word. Tell your friends about it. Uh, You can follow me on Instagram at It's Mike Joseph. Or you could uh, like the podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash detoxpod. Still picking a charity every week to surface and uh, amplify. And this week's charity is Color of Change. Um, Color of Change is one of the most successful charity platforms uh, 
for the elevation of black people. Um, they do fantastic stuff and you can find them at colorofchange.org. Please check them out, uh, like them, make a donation, do whatever you can. My name is Mike Joseph and this has been Detoxicity. Once again, I hope that you all stay safe and healthy and I'll catch you next time. Peace.